With us today is Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. This is Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Lisa can also be found at lawlife, lahlife.com on the web. Hello, Lisa. Hello. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Amaze me. <laughs> this is, yeah, amaze me. This is one of those things, right? So you read like in some blog post or some place, be amazed every day and you just sort of want to throw up, right? But, I do. Yeah. But I, I, was re- I was just reading through some stuff that somebody sent me. And there was a quote by Abraham Heschel, who's, you know, educator. And he says, our goal should be to live life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning and look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. All right. So I read this and I thought, oh, God, more and more of these pithy things. Be amazed. And then it stuck with me. It stuck in my head because I realized that every morning is part of my my personal daily practice routine. And we've talked about daily practices and how important I think they are. But in any case, I have developed over the years several versions of daily practices. You know, they're fluid, different seasons. I change it up a little, different times I do different things. But one thing has remained pretty constant. And that is that in my, I always do three rounds of sun salutations every day, no matter what exercise is on tap, just because it gets my body going. And, um, you know, that's that sequence of simple yoga movements that anybody can do, but it actually just hits every joint and muscle in the body. And without my three sun salutations, I feel like, like I can't move. It's my way of lubricating all the joints. But as part of that, many years back, I developed this sort of thing where in the sequence of the first one, I always do what's called a child's pose. Do you know what child's pose is? I know. Tell me. Oh, okay. So I, I mean, I asked just to know if people listening generally know what it is. So it's where you're, um, if you were, if you were on all fours and then you simply moved your, your butt back onto your heels and lay down on the floor, it's kind of a prostration. Your arms are in front of you and you're tucked into yourself. It's kind of a fetal position type of thing, but what it does is it ends up with your forehead resting on the ground and it's a really it's very comfortable. It's a very powerful position because you're coiled, but it's a very comfortable position. It stretches out your spine. It can release some tension in your sacrum. It's just a great pose. Um, so it's very stable. And it's very compact and very grounding. So I always work that into every day. And while my forehead is on the ground, I just was trained by a teacher a long time ago to just think about something in my world and this is going to sound so wooey, it's like amazement, that I'm grateful for. So it could be really simple. Some days it's just I feel like, whoa, I'm really grateful that I can actually just get out of bed and do this. Like if I'm, if I'm feeling a little depressed on a given day or annoyed or any unpleasant feeling, I just revert to the, okay, I'm just glad I'm alive and I can do this movement. That's my default position because that sort of always shakes me out of whatever grumpiness I'm in. So that's my personal thing. Everybody has to develop their own. But in any case, I realized that I actually appreciate things that are amazing to me every day because my true default position every morning when I am in that particular moment of my posture and my day is to think about things because it's hard to just be grateful because if you say I'm just going to be grateful well I'm grateful for my family and I'm grateful for the food on my table and I'm grateful for all these things and I am 
but it becomes this kind of reflexive thing and you don't really feel grateful. You just think you feel grateful. Do you know what I'm saying? It becomes this kind of superficial, euphemistic thing. Um, so I realized that the thing that kicks me into real thought process is to think about things in the world that really amaze me. Like it really amazes me when there is a full moon and the sky is bright and lit up and you can see everything. And it's just amazing. I have awe and wonder for that. And awe and wonder is a really good state of being. And there's all kinds of scientific studies showing that the human mind craves and needs that kind of amazement to keep interested. It's why, you know, there was just a study that came out that was published, I don't know, it was in the Times, so I think it became kind of well-known, this concept that, you know, Romeo and Juliet's fabulous love affair might not have existed if they didn't have so much opposition. You know, that you, you need these special little jolts to stay interested in the world and stay concerned and stay excited and stay joyful and stay happy. So anyway, back to amazement. I'm thinking awe and wonder are very good things to remember to have in your world. And like, you know, with a sluggish spring and a very, very long winter and a lot of depression and a lot of sort of grumpy, cranky, oh my goodness, can we just have good weather? It's a really good idea to counter that with some kind of awe and amazement factor, some kind of, wow, now come the daffodils. Isn't that amazing? And it is amazing. Think about it. It's really amazing out of all that muck and yuck. Those daffodils still know that it's time for them to bloom. And gosh darn it, they're just going to push up out of the residue of all that ice and snow. And so. going back to the original quote, what, what if you don't, if the word amaze is too much, what you're looking for is some acknowledgement of the, call it magic, call it, you know, Everyday life, the routine, getting the kids, getting out of the house, getting, cleaning up the cat, whatever, um, trying to go to work where somebody's about to you know, dump their entire bad day on you as well as your workload. Whatever your life is, it's, you, you have to arm yourself for the day. By the end of the day, of course you are feeling like you've been you know, involved with a Mack truck, not necessarily on the best end of it. And if you don't stop for a second the next day and go, you know, just find something that's either to appreciate, oh, it's getting light a little earlier, or, oh, the wind isn't skinning my face, however it is for for whoever the individual is, because some people, you know, some people find things absolutely, oh, look at the cerulean blue of the sky. And some people, I'm a perfect example, just really, I was so grateful when I walked out. Yes, it was damp today and cold, but it wasn't 40 mile an hour winds and the high wasn't going to be four. Right. Well, so that's to my point, is it's a little bit of the glass half full mentality. However you are. Mixed in there. Right. Whoever and however you are, it's more, I think, about taking a minute Exactly. And somebody agrees. You know, oh, taking a Lucy. minute. And Lucy agrees. Lucy, <laughs> and we know how hard it is to get normally Lucy's to agree. But um, you take that minute and you go, okay, this is, you know, I, I, I like this. Or my dog is sniffling and it's good. Or something. You find something yep. good. Yep. So, yes. And if you, yeah, 
Uh, that's if you exactly get into right. the habit of it, then you have actually well, develop this a practice. Is why, this is why I always go back to this. That's why that quote stayed with me. Because I realized that sometimes, you know, no matter what it is, if you're always looking for the good, then you get complacent with the good. So the complacency, when that sets in, the sort of habitual qualities of things that make it not have any impact, that's what we have to fight at all times. And that's why this quote stayed with me because I thought, ah, amazement by definition is when you are in awe and wonder. So, you know, being grateful is being grateful. By definition, it has to do with expressing appreciation for something. That's different than when the nature of something is to really be moved by it. Right? right. See what I'm, uh, my no, distinction. And so me. that's why I liked it because I thought, ah, it's like a little prick so that you go beyond whatever the euphemism is, whatever the habitual recognition of all good things and the positive side because, you know, the positive side could be a little nauseating when you're not feeling good like oh my gosh okay and sometimes you have to let yourself not feel good but if you still in the context of that acknowledge that some things are pretty amazing then you're able to do it every day no matter what so I just I I, I just liked this as one of those um, things to think about things to really give a little more attention to defining and letting it into your life if you will because um, you know life can get really uh, humdrum and same quickly. And it doesn't matter if you live in the most beautiful place on earth, once you get used to it, you no longer see it. I used to, I've, I think I've even said this before on this, in, in this show when we're talking, but I used to live many, many moons ago on a very high hill overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And we lived in a, in a house that was the size of one room, but it was all one window. And it had the most amazing view. And when I first moved into that house, it was my first marital home, I was like, I would sit there and be in awe of this view every day because we were above the clouds and it would just like the marine layer would roll in and it was just this incredible, poetic, fabulous thing. Within a month, I remember thinking, I don't even see this view anymore. Like guests would come and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe you live here. And I would be like, yeah, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so like the most amazing view in the world had become humdrum. And that's what I meant about those studies that show that human nature is that you need that little prick. You know, Romeo and Juliet may have loved each other, but they also, what, what helped that romance to have the fervor and the passion and the intensity is the very fact of having opposition against it. So it's just interesting to remember that that's how we are as human beings. And since that is how we are as human beings, we as human beings have to re constantly remind ourselves to be in the world and to find awe and wonder and interesting things and, and fabulous things and not so fabulous things and let it all go because we can't get attached to any of it. But observe it, Ob excuse me, observe it. Let it be part of your world in a way that has texture and complexity so that your world can be rich and full in a real way. And I am not talking gobbledygook here. I'm not standing up and telling people how to have a more happy life in, in, a, in a trite way. I'm really saying, listen to these words. You have to find tricks because they're kind of tricks. You have to trick yourself. You have to engage those parts of your brain that will allow you to move forward in a positive frame 
in a frame that is engaged with the world that feels whatever age you're at, whether you're 20 and it really is amazing to you that you can earn $15 an hour or you're 80 and you just got to keep the interest in the world going so that you don't feel like, well, my time's up. I got to get out of here. So... Right. This is my this is my comment of the day, and I say you know if you want to practice, take I think I'm I'm offering my personal daily practice here because during that first round of sun salutations or that first moment when you're brushing your teeth even if you just take a minute to do some and this is you know this is the call to prayer really I mean religions have it excuse me but they do all of them have their call to prayer posture their call to prayer mode, if you will, at given times in the day, week, year. And there's reason for that because those are spiritual habits. And I'm not suggesting that you treat this as any kind of religious thing. Fold this into whatever it is you do, but in a completely secular way, you can do it by in the morning when you're brushing your teeth or you're doing those first sun salutations. Take a deep, conscious, luxurious breath of fresh, good air. Acknowledge that no matter what's going on in your body or your mind or your life, emotionally, physically, or otherwise, you're able to take that nice big gulp and then think about something in your world that's going to offer you that little... I, I call it kind of like a jolt of excitement. It's a little like that cup of coffee. Oh, okay. or, or, or that caffeine. jolt of appreciation. Yes. It's, it's just, it, yes. It, it sends a little signal. It, 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 it does. It, it, it's like rebooting something. It just it sends, a little, it, yep. it sends a little impulse into your brain that, it, that, that, that can stop. It, it has the capacity to stop the, the, the litany. The negative, as, yeah. yeah. The blah, that clears away the yuck. And uh, listen, everybody wakes up in the morning sometimes, all the time maybe, feeling like, oh, here we go at the grind again. Right. And this is a little way to jolt yourself out of that grind. And if you peg it to something like sun salutations or something like a nice three deep, real good cleansing breaths, you're doing your body a favor in other ways as well. So that's why, you know, I'm such a big proponent of daily practices because in one fell swoop of 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or a half an hour worth of daily practices, you can do your body, mind, emotional self a lot, a lot of good. And it stays with you and it creates um, an environment where other good things can happen. Good stuff can come in because you're you've sort of given yourself, you've created the field in yourself where you can have appreciation, where you can, good things can come, where you can smile and think about something that's good for somebody else. And, you know, it just staves off a lot of negative stuff. So that's that's why I say let's look beyond the kind of trite, be amazed, and really be amazed. Find some ways to just be amazed. It could be something so simple. I was looking at this child that has come into my life as a grandchild, and I was watching her. She's a two, and she has these impeccable manners at the table. She puts her little napkin in her lap, and she eats with her little silverware, and she places it neatly on her plate. And I was completely amazed by this, having raised four children who I don't think at two we're doing anything like that maybe even at 18 they're not doing that no they are i love my kids they're all fabulous but i was amazed by this child 
And I thought, oh, it's so delightful to be amazed. That feeling is so good. Right. So you just have to let yourself do it. And don't, you know. And then I was like, I was telling that to a friend. And she was like, oh, well, lots of two-year-old girls do that. And I thought, no, no, no. Buzzkill. Oh, yeah. Buzzkill. Don't do that. <laughs> right. No, and that's and, and that's part of it. I got a huge kick. And, and again, it's the little things. Uh, we, we were all going to a restaurant. And the restaurant was closed actually it was closed for technical difficulties and lucy and maya are really excited now right they 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 loved that but i just got such a kick out of that sign i mean not not only were a group of people about to gather there which i was able to ward off but the fact that they had put technical difficulties I, I thought, oh, in the restaurant business, now what's a technical difficulty? Because obviously in the radio business, you know that there's a technical difficulty. Is it technical? Because we le- left out the C. Um, was the technical difficulty the chef didn't show up? Did the stove explode? Anyway, the point is it got me engaged. Right. And that is what I look for. And then I had to call somebody and say, hey, we're not going to eat at thus and such a place. And they're, oh, where are we going to go? <laughs> So I dragged them by the collar and I made them look at the sign and they had the good grace to laugh at the sign. But the impulse, you, 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 I shouldn't overuse that word, but it's just, it's just the habit, let's call it a habit, is to go, yeah, well, you know, life's rotten. And once you get into that habit, it's really, that's a toughie to break. And yep. and so there. do you, what, what do you do with clients who just, you know, who just, and I often ask you this question, but I'm asking it slightly differently. You know, okay. someone's predisposed to just accentuating the negative, and we have plenty of those. What do you, how do you begin to orient them in a different direction? Well, you know, as always, it all depends. I understand. But <laughs> um, that said, um, you know, if it's in the context of a more coaching relationship, then the best thing to do is to ask uh, really good questions to help people see that they're in that kind of a mode and that maybe that's not serving them well, you know, so there's that. Otherwise, I think to give people exercises just like the one we've discussed, exercises that, that they can do every day easily and that will give them that feeling, that good feeling, that that makes them think, oh, this is a better alternative than that feeling, which ends up feeling negative, right? So you give people a positive experience, you help them find a way to experience a positive experience, acknowledge that, and then hopefully that becomes such a pleasurable thing that they go for the pleasure instead of the yuck. So that's really what it is. But, you know, awareness is a big part of it because a lot of times people don't realize that they're stuck in being the eh eh, as we say, there's a bird on my property here. <laughs> it's some frigate bird. And it, it literally, its sound that it makes is eh eh, eh eh. My husband's like, ah, oh, there's the negative bird, come to call. It literally sounds like it's going eh eh, eh eh. So, you know, we treat it like the eh eh bird. It's like the eh eh bird. And that's a funny thing. So that's a funny way to remember. And now every time I'm being like negative or like a buzzkill type person with somebody else, I think, "Mm, eh, 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 eh," and I think of that bird. So sometimes it's just cute things. It's just talking people through till they can find something to attach 
too that helps them have that better feeling because people I think fundamentally would rather feel good about the world than bad about the world, good about themselves rather than bad about themselves and helping them have little tricks and ways to do that is really the key and that's the answer to your question. But let me just say this as we depart that, you know, having the little post-its on your window, the positive affirmations, the this and that, those get trite very quickly. You have to have meaningful ways to experience these things in your world. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to be a more positive person. That can't be the post-it on your, on your uh, medicine cabinet. Right. And you're going to think that that's going to change your world. So affirmations have their place, but as a tool, I think they're really kind of shallow on their own. Yes, they really need to be implemented along with other kinds of behavioral right once patterning. once once an affirmation is reduced to your calendar affirmation you know that you look at the day i mean unless you're going to meditate over it for a few minutes and say is this apply um, unless it's going to stop the you know the everyday the 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 motion in your mind so to speak yeah unless you're going to actually stop look at it and go hmm exactly. i never do this or hmm, <laughs> nope never exactly. would or hey yeah this is cool i could try then, as you say, it has an element of, of shallow, and that's not, you know, the point isn't to just read the thing and, and click on it. And this is why I sometimes just, just want people, you know, to put, da- put down your device, back away from your device. <laughs> uh, because simply just clicking on something and reading it is so not the same as meditating out you know, uh, experiencing experience you're saying when you're saying meditating is experiencing it and right. that's i mean that's a whole nother show about how people get confused with meditation because it becomes a kind of an affirmation and a superficial idea whereas the true experience of meditation is it it's the experience of everything that is it it's not just oh i did yoga today it's did you actually breathe and were you in your body while you did it because if not you were doing exercise which is not a terrible thing, but it's not. But it's not yoga. Of yoga, it's not the true meaning of a contemplative exercise. It's not the true intention of a of an aphorism. But it's it's human nature, you know. We turn these things into, into. I mean, it's it's especially American human nature, you know, to have no real relationship to our experiences. We have a hard time with that, and that's pretty much what I spend my life trying to do: is to convince people to have real relationship to their experiences. Yeah, how's that working out? I'm sorry. I was just going to say, how's that working out for you? But I realized. <laughs> Thank you very much, uh, Lisa Headley. I'm going to do that without saying uh. Thank you very much, Lisa Headley, Ayurvedic practitioner, founder of the Mayflower Spa. Lisa Headley's strategies for dealing with stress. Lisa can be found at lawlife, L-A-H, life.com on the web.
हमारा सुकून 